Talk Live. It is your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. And it is Ian here with you. And Mark. That is, by the way, the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there we give away, so do enjoy those on us. Uh, So, the Ron Paul situation continues uh, in the manner that it has been for the past few weeks, and that is, of course, that the uh, the media doesn't really seem to have any interest in covering his campaign. Uh, they don't really seem to have any interest in giving him any questions to answer at the debate. As a matter of fact, uh, somebody did a breakdown here, PrisonPlanet.com did a breakdown of the number of questions Mr. Paul was asked versus the other candidates says here that uh, only five questions were directed at Ron Paul, as well as two half questions, the answers to which he was interrupted on both occasions. Uh, you just completed watching the clips before the show, mm-hmm. Mark, so you, you just, uh, you're just you fresh on the Ron Paul debate clips. And uh, he absolutely was interrupted and was not allowed to continue. In fact, at one point, he was told he would be able to continue in a couple of minutes, Yeah, but was never given that opportunity. Yeah. Uh, in comparison, again, Ron Paul getting five questions and two half questions. In comparison, Mitt Romney fielded 17 questions, and John McCain got 15. They don't count how many Huckabee got here. I'm not sure. Maybe that's because he didn't get many either. I, I'm not positive. I didn't, again, I don't watch the entire debate. I just pay attention to the Ron Paul portions because what those other jackballs say is completely useless. Uh, so it says here that uh, just as with the previous MSNBC debate and numerous others before it, Ron Paul was given less than a third of the questions as the other candidates. The primary definition of a debate is a discussion as of a public question in an assembly involving opposing viewpoints. Since Ron Paul is the only candidate expressing opposing viewpoints, the corporate media's deliberate ploy to, rele- uh, to relegate, marginalize, and restrict his opportunities to speak amounts to overt public deception. These farces should not be referred to as debates because they're merely PR stunts that are conducted with a deep-seated bias toward the establishment candidates. You know, it even seemed like during some of the, the shots of Ron Paul when he was answering some of the questions, seemed to be focusing more on Mitt Romney's face than anything else. Yeah, the, the, Did you notice the, that? the shots did seem to be right on Mitt and what he was... Uh Doing. I mean, I mean, certainly there were some shots of Ron. I mean, I'm not making it sound like they were only looking at Mitt, but there was a side shot where Ron wasn't even really visible. Well, he was. Yeah, it was. It was sort of uh, profile, but turned towards the back of his head a little bit, so it wasn't the. It, it wasn't. It wasn't a good shot of his face. It wasn't uh, getting his expressions the way that right. the exasperated and and uh, you know condescending look that Mitt Romney had. He he knew everything on how to handle this. He used to be a businessman after all. Mm. You know, lots of bus- lots of business a successful businessman. Lots of successful businessmen don't understand macro economy. I told you uh, the other day about <clears throat> my friend who's uh, in the financial industry. He's a uh, fin- um, you know a, a guy that helps you buy stocks and stuff. An advisor. Yeah, an advisor. He um, didn't even know what the term fiat money was when Amazing. I talked to him a couple of months ago. Now he's he knows. educated, right? He I, tell me, um, you know, Mitt Romney is going to handle this whole situation. He's going to run the gov- government like a business. Nonsense. I don't want the government run like a business. I want it out of my life. You no, know, it's not possible to run the government like a business anyway because it doesn't operate in the same manner. Uh, but I'm curious, since I didn't watch the rest of the debate, perhaps you could answer if you did. How do they treat the other candidates, specifically Romney and McCain? When Romney and McCain are being uh, given an opportunity to respond to a question, do they cut away to a full-on shot of Ron Paul's face for his reaction? Mm, No. 
Oh, no, are you going out on a limb there, Mark? Yeah. Did you see the, the no, debate? Okay. I'm going out on a limb. Right. I just want. I can't say for sure. I want to know from somebody who's actually seen the debate. 800-259-9231. We go to your phone calls. It's Kevin across the pond in the UK. Kevin, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi, it's actually Gavin. Oh, Gavin. Gavin. Close. What's on your mind, Gavin? How are you keeping? All right. Just super. What's happening tonight? Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Right. Well, I'm, I'm calling. You, you know my friend Ziggy. Oh, yes. we, he, call, he calls the show. I can't say I know Ziggy, but we know of oh, him. Well, I, I know that much. Uh, yeah, well, basically, um, uh, we're working on setting up a uh, Liberal Democrat uh, uh, Liberty Caucus uh, in the UK. Hmm. Uh, pretty much the uh, Free Talk Live is an inspiration to a lot of us in the UK, which is uh, good stuff for you fellas. Yeah, Wonderful. Thanks. So what are your plans with, so, this, uh, with this Liberty Caucus? Well, the, 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 the fact is is that there are lots of people within uh, the Liberal Democrat Party in the UK who um, have uh, uh, very anti-statist views. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're uh, going to try to get um, uh, 250 members to uh, influence our own political party's uh, policy to move it away from the social democrat uh, leanings that it currently has hmm. to uh, move towards a agenda of freedom. So you're basically doing the same thing that the Republican Liberty Caucus and the Democratic Freedom Caucuses are doing here in America. Is they're they're working on the uh, they're they're working on influencing their parties from the inside as opposed to going outside and joining you know perhaps creating a third party. Well, yeah, yeah, we've had a, 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 a since January the first. There's been a Libertarian Party in the UK oh. uh, uh, formed, hmm. but uh, you know it's it's with the way the political system works in the United Kingdom. It's uh, it, it's it's not a particularly um, transparent or fair way of of democracy. Mm. I mean, I'm, you know, we all know the failings of democracy, but democracy is the best of all of the political systems that there that that, that exists, other than, of course, individual rights. Um, so uh, uh, we're we're trying, as you say, we're trying to uh, influence our own party um, to ensure that it does. Uh, pursue an agenda of liberty, uh, personal individuality, uh, personal freedoms, and uh, individual responsibility. So So, how how do you uh, plan on going about that? Uh, Would that be including going to party conventions, meetings, and trying to recruit uh, current members, or trying to bring people in from the outside? What's your plan? Well, uh, we're working on a a kind of a a two-pronged approach. Uh, There's the openlibertyalliance.com, that we're setting up, which um, will allow all libertarian-minded people, regardless of their party affiliation or none, to uh, contribute to the uh, debate of liberty. So, you know, whether it's the Liberal Democrats that ultimately have uh, a a sway in this country, or conservatives, or whomever, um, that's not the issue. The issue is, ultimately, liberty. Um, Now, within our own party, from the Open Liberty Alliance, um, we then have our own uh, our own um, forum, if you like, that will, if, as long as we get the 250 members, we then have a seat on our own um, policy, uh, uh, well, when our, whenever our party works out a, um, uh, well, is considering any specific policy, we will have a seat on uh, on any policy issue. Oh, really? And, so there's uh, so, so there are built-in rules within the party that say if you can get if you create a caucus and you have x number of x number of members, you'll have a say in the uh, the party's uh, the, the platform and, and the things that they're doing. 
Precisely, and we, oh, cool. we have what's called local parties. Um, so you have the United Kingdom, uh, the federal party, because the Liberal Democrats are a federal party in that we believe in, in federalism. Um, uh, so the nation state, if you like, isn't the be all and end all. We believe in, in, lo- in true localism. Oh, good. But as I say, the, the, the federal party is being, uh, in my view, a little, a little bit contaminated by social democrats, the sure. socialists, as you call them in America. And, um, uh, so what we can do by having 250 members, we can bypass, uh, the local parties and in effect put our own motions to our federal conference. Um, which may, uh, you know, uh, which may not be supported at a local party level, um, but um, I have to say, it we'll sounds be... like you guys have got your plan together. And what happens if you get 500 members? Do you get an extra vote, or is it just you know they cap you at 250? No, no, we just have more of an influence because, of course, you know, when it comes to because at at the conferences, as well as our uh, 250 members allowing us to have. Uh, to propose motions to the federal conference, if we have 500 members uh, throughout the, the uh, local party network of the country, mm-hmm. we are then able to, of course, have greater influence when it comes to the individual votes on the uh, policy motions. Well, that I we wish propose. you the best of luck with your plan. I'm sure there are, you know, at least 250 liberty-minded people it, there in I, uh, in Great Britain. It's just a matter of yeah. uncovering them and getting them on board. So, uh, good yeah. luck with that. What again can is I, your website, sir? Uh, it's the, uh, the OpenLibertyAlliance.com. Uh, Very That's good, Gavin. One. Thanks for the call tonight. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it is Ian here with you. And Mark. It's 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features... We give away, so enjoy those, including the bulletin board system. Get interactive with over 300,000 posts and hundreds over, in fact, I think we're close to 2,000 of our listeners uh, interacting there. Head over to bbs.freetalklive.com. You'll find that it's completely free, like everything else is on our website. Again, that's bbs.freetalklive.com. Uh, Mark, I, uh, you told me you had an interesting email you wanted to share, so why don't we jump into that? Yeah, um, he asked to remain anonymous, but... Uh he says, uh, Mark, I just want to drop you a line and let you know how much I appreciate your show, show and how much it's opened my eyes. I thought it was funny how you guys were talking about Michael Savage last night, and it's been a couple of nights ago. Yeah. And since he was the reason I found your show. Oh, I had really? Re- yeah. I had recently Did started... someone get on Michael Savage and drop our name? That would be awesome. <laughs> I had recently started uh, listening to podcasts this past summer, and I had enjoyed uh, his show in the past. Not really agreed with everything, but... His heavy New York accent reminded me of a neighbor of a neighborhood a neighbor growing up, and his rage entertained me. Anyhow, he started to uh, charge for his show, so I went looking for something else. I typed "libertarian" into iTunes, and your show popped up. Ah, excellent! I must say that I was shocked at first, as I'm sure most people are when they hear <laughs> the show, mostly Ian. Anyhow, I was surprised that uh, you guys made sense. There are a few things that prevent me from calling myself a libertarian. In the past, mostly because I thought government should prevent folks from doing things and um, thought certain military actions were necessary. That all changed in 2004. Didn't we all? Yeah. At one time. At one time, yes. That all changed in 2004 when I was sent to Baghdad for seven months of my life. Oh, boy. I'm a physician. Doctors are listening to our show. 
couple of boobs talking in a radio studio somewhere. <laughs> it amazes me. Uh, college professors, yeah. doctors, people. Educated like, folk. Yeah, listening to us couple ramble. couple of Florida hicks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a physician, and I uh, made a deal with the Army to pay for medical school, and I would, in turn, give them time back. Since I signed up during the end of the Cold War, I never thought I'd see combat. But such was not the case. During my time in Iraq, I saw that they uh, were not doing any good. American soldiers and Iraqi civilians were getting needlessly killed and seriously maimed. Since I practice emergency medicine, I was on the front lines of the trauma ce- in the trauma center, and I saw some things that I hope I never see again. I'll bet you did. Mm. Through this experience, I <clears throat> discovered liberty, although um, not to the extent that I understand it now. I happily voted for Michael Badnarik via absentee ballot, and everyone to whom I gave the world's smallest political quiz came up libertarian. I'm now, thankfully, done with my commitment to the Army, and I work in the civilian sector. Working in medicine, I see the health care problem firsthand. I understand that voluntary solutions are always preferable to coercive force, but time and again I face the same dilemma. Let us say that government gets out of um, health care entirely tomorrow. No Medicare, Medicaid. Let's say that insurance companies are still charging heavy premiums and costs are high. It takes the uh, free market some time to adjust and realize the prices um, have to come down. This is uh, usually where I have some trouble with my socialist colleagues. I think we need to offer basic services as charity, but at what point are people going to suffer since they have no access to health care? And more importantly, what about their children who can't earn their own money and are uh, not responsible for the poor choices of their families? Do we rely exclusively on the goodness of charities while insurance companies are lowering their rates? Well, first off, I'd like to uh, jump in real quick on that and say that... It's not just the Medicare and Medicaid that's the problem. It's all the regulations that all the states have on insurance and, you know, sure. the requirements of insurance to provide this and provide that. And if you're yep. going to do this, you've got to do that. And just all the things that insurance has to provide. I mean, shouldn't I be able to buy insurance? Here, how about this? At one point, I had some trouble buying insurance. I wanted uh, catastrophic coverage just in case a meteor comes out of the sky and hits me. I get hit mm. by a car or whatever. Something like that happens. But I'm a smoker. I smoke one or two cigars a day, depending on you know what I feel like, and I inhale those cigars. So therefore, a blood test is going to come up uh, that I'm a smoker, and I can't lie about it. So even though I'm a light smoker, can I not ask for insurance that covers you – know, I, I can't say, well, I don't want insurance for lung disease or heart disease. I just want injur- insurance for everything else. Yeah, all that other stuff has because it, the lung disease has to be covered by law. It, it right? has to be covered, right. Now, I'm, I was 30 years old at the time. What do I need heart dis- coverage for heart disease and lung disease for? That's a good point. Now, um, that's – but but I couldn't get it because of all these regulations on the insurance company. Right. So that's still something the marketplace will take a certain amount of time to adjust to. But yeah, but we don't know how long that uh, time period is going to be. We I mean, we tend to see when you look at the marketplace taking action on things, it usually moves pretty darn fast. I mean, it could be a matter of weeks, if not days. Certainly, it's not going to be that. I mean, it's not going to be a lifetime. It's not going to be a generation. It may be, you know, a handful of months uh, at most. Obviously, it's speculative uh, uh, making a, uh, that point there, but it's also you, you also need to understand that it's not all going to go away tomorrow. I mean, that's it's unrealistic to suggest that's going to be the case. Even if someone like a Ron Paul gets elected to the federal government, this is reversing the trend towards bigger and bigger government involvement in mm-hmm. healthcare is going to take some time, and it is going to have to be phased out, and it's probably not going to be an overnight thing at any point. So I, that's just unrealistic. So I think that the first step would be to actually 
take the regulations off of insurance before you got rid of the Medicare, Medicaid, um, you know, six months, a year, giving some kind of uh, time period for the market to adjust. And then these insurance companies will begin offering policies that people demand, like the policy that I was in demand for when I was 30 and couldn't get. Exactly. And you also have to understand that it, removing those regulations and just in general, not just on the insurance companies, but on the healthcare industry in general, removing all of these onerous, burdensome federal and state regulations would also result in a major uh, productivity increase for the, the healthcare industry in that they wouldn't be spending, in some cases, many of their employees spend 100% of their day filling out government paperwork. Right. None of that wouldn't be necessary anymore. So many of these healthcare organizations, be they doctors or insurance companies or whoever, would immediately have a decrease in their amount of overhead, which decreasing overhead means you can reduce prices. Uh, and these things, again, don't, they won't take time, you know, they won't take long for these folks to realize. They know. People in the healthcare industry, they know, as this doctor well knows, the burden of the, uh, the paperwork. They know it. And, the, I mean, looking forward to the day when that paperwork board burden goes away will be a wonderful experience for those people if they ever get to, uh, to experience it. Uh, unfortunately, it, the country's not going in that direction. The country's going toward more socialized right. health care. And, and the fact that there is a government problem, I've heard this argument so many times. The fact that the government's created a problem, and, you know, in this case we're talking about, um, you know, the people's reliance on government uh, medical care, government-sponsored medical care, doesn't mean that we should get more government to fix the problem. That's just going to create a bigger problem down the line, and that's going to be that everybody's going to be affected. Um, it, yeah, it's going to take a rollback, and you know, if you if you don't want people hurt, it's going to have to be uh, it's going to have to be a, a a thought well thought out rollback. You can't just get rid of everything. But let me tell you, doctor, doctor, we will be getting rid of everything all in one fell swoop at some point if the, in the economy future, crashes if the economy crashes because of this burdensome healthcare crisis that we've got going on okay absolutely so, so either start turning it around now or right. wait until the house the of cards thing, comes the down the thing that uh, his doctor colleagues wish to avoid is going to be in fact what happens inevitable inevitable 1-800-259. Socialism can't support itself. There's a little more. 9231. We'll get to that. Also, since he brought up the military, I have a story about the suicide rate in the Army. It's jumping up by double digits. Uh, we'll get to that here in moments. Your calls as well. And the Free State Project's Porcupine Freedom Festival is happening June 9th through the 15th. It's known as Porkfest. Uh, you can go to porkfest.com, P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T.com to learn more and learn how you'll expand your network of liberty-loving activists, businesses, and organizations. We'll see you at Porkfest and more, in, uh, more on the way in moments. It's Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number. 800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. It's 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features we give away, and they include the Shrine of Female listeners. The dozens of ladies who've sent us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com to see what that's all about. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. Sound money is under attack. The Liberty Dollars offices were raided by the FBI and Secret Service on May the 14th, 2007. All of its precious metals, computers, and records were seized. Your help is urgently needed. Go to LibertyDollar.org, sign up for their updates, and register for the lawsuit. Don't let the government steal your money and destroy the Liberty Dollar. That's LibertyDollar.org. <laughs> 
800-259-9231. We continue here. You had an email that we were in the middle of, Mark, uh, from a doctor who spent a little bit of time in the military. On the way, we've got a story about Army suicide rates uh, jumping up pretty dramatically. Uh, but first, let's continue this because he had a few more points or questions or something left here, right? Yep. Um, let's see. He goes on. I also wanted to bring up the issue of vaccines. Um, he's uh, apparently uh, directs me to a a website called quackwatch.org and uh, use this as a regular resource. They also explore the myths of homeopathy and other quackery. Of course, herbal medicine is legitimate, and people often, I didn't know at one point the difference between homeopathy and herbal medicine, so people need to draw that a distinction in their minds. The, the difference is uh, homeopathy is this kind of crackpot uh, idea that if you take, what is it, like a, a, a fraction of a fraction, fraction of a percentage of, a fraction, a fraction. of the actual disease you're trying to cure, and somehow uh, give it to yourself that your body will develop the immunity to it. I, I, I think I'm on the right track. With I don't that. know that it's necessarily a fraction of the disease, but it is, um, you know, a fraction of something. And it's so dilute that essentially you're just taking you're taking water. Stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so there's that, and then of course herbal remedies are actual plants and products from that come from the earth. Uh, and natural sources that you can take. And so this doctor says, of course, herbal medicine is legitimate since most of our medications are derived from plants. Anyhow, acupuncture also has wonders for chronic pain uh, patients, but there's no evidence of a link between vaccines and autism. Um, so that was his point as he wants to uh, he wants to show me that there's no link between vaccines and autism. Now, I'm... I'm concerned about that. For one, the people that are checking out these uh, these links, doing the science, are the com- same companies that want to sell you the vaccines, mm-hmm. and they're in bed with the uh, CDC and all that other stuff. But really, my issue with vaccines is it's personal. It's um, you know, it, it happened to me. I took a I took a vaccine for the flu, and I became very very ill. Uh, 102.7 degree temperature. Um, the next year, I took. A vaccine again after the through the urging of a, a medical professional who said this could it couldn't possibly happen and I think in in your line of work you need you'd meet a lot of people you need to take this flu vaccine I did it again and I became just as ill again hmm. so I know in my heart I'm you know do I have any empirical evidence you know what I've given you but I know in my heart that that vaccine made me ill. How do I know that that's not what that's not happening to other kids? Um, and yeah, well, and you've you're, you've got a son on the way. When He's you take an eight got... pound infant and you shoot it full of uh, right. medicines, no. Well, thanks. your your son obviously has got your DNA in him, so who knows? Maybe he'll be as susceptible as you, and he doesn't have the uh, the immune system you do. Yep. Now he goes on and says some good things about vaccines, which I totally I believe vaccines work. I do. I just think that there are. Um, it's a system of, you know, we'll we'll sacrifice uh, 0.5% of the population in order to, that the other 99.5% of the population. Um, it's utilitarian. Is, yeah, it's it's utilitarian. That's what my belief is. Let's see. There's some terrible diseases that have been eradicated through vaccine: polio, rabies, tetanus, influenza. I didn't know that rabies had been uh, nearly eradicated, but I know polio is on its way out. Um, something not uh, tetanus. T- ten. Tetanus, maybe that's the same thing. I don't okay. know. Um, strep pneumonia, smallpox, just to name a few. Your child's lack of vaccination can lead to a uh, breeding ground for these illnesses and possibly infect someone else, attacking their right to life. Now, think about that. So, the idea... But, of course, that would have to be another person who hasn't been properly vaccine, r- vaccinated, right? Presumably. So, so, they've taken the same risk that my, that I, you know, that my child has taken, or I it's a good point. took. Um, so that's, you know, Could, that, no, is there any point where it's too late to get these vaccines? I can't imagine that there is. I'm to where if your, if your son grew up and said, you know, dad, I, I want to get vaccinated. Okay. 
I just, you don't ha- it doesn't have to be done at age two. Or what, what seems wrong to me is making those decisions for your child that right. are really their life and death. They, um, you know, to me, they have some kind of uh, connection to illnesses and death in children. And what uh, about circumcision? You're going to get uh, no. Jack circumcised? No, no. Okay. I just yeah, I don't, I don't believe in that either. I don't appreciate my parents making that decision. I'm not going to lop off one of his ears either. That's good. Seems crazy. Okay, finally, schools. My school may have been um, a- aberration, but we put uh, FDR on trial for violating the Constitution in his <laughs> school, endlessly discussing the imperialist past of the United States. Yes, you you did go to an aberration. Um, we read... Uh, there are some good teachers out there, I and mean, there's no doubt about that. Um, Dotakeville's uh, Democracy in America, and we're encouraged... I don't know. I, I don't know. I've seen the word before. I don't know the guy's name. Uh, we're encouraged to think critically about literature and world events. It was a public school in liberal Connecticut, and I think that labeling them all as government indoctrination centers is a misnomer. Um, we, for one, we're not talking; we don't talk about specific schools. We talk about schools in general, in general government and, schools in general. And, and the fact is, that is what they are there for. Right. And as good as your school was, I think it could be better if it. I, I think I know it would be better if it was run by the free market. It ha- would have to be better. It'd be subject to co- con- competition for the first time ever. Right. And oh, oh no, you're gonna, somebody could say, well, they've got private schools competing with them. No, no, they don't have anyone competing with them because they get funded whether or not private schools are in existence. They don't care if five more private schools open up in the same town. They'll still get their funding. So they don't, they're not subject to competition like the, uh, the private schools are. So it's not fair to say that. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it's, even, even though he had a great teacher in this particular area putting FDR on trial and that kind of thing, mm-hmm. I'm sure he had some really bad teachers that they couldn't fire because oh, yeah. they had tenure. You know, Absolutely. and that's the problem with the teachers union and the teachers union contracting with the people, as it were. We're all held hostage. I don't want to be in a contract with the teachers union. I wouldn't have signed anything with it. But in fact, I have to pay for this contract with the teachers union. That's wrong. That's slavery. That somebody else can sign my name and use my money to pay um, to pay some contract that I wasn't involved in. Sorry. Anyway, he says, well, enough rambling. I just wanted to let you know that I enjoy the show immensely and proudly display my Ron Paul signs at my home and on my car. In fact, in Nashville, he's the only politician for whom I have uh, seen signs and bumper stickers. That's a good sign. Other than Fred Fred Thompson, who's out of it at this point. There you go. So it could be interesting come February the 5th. Um, You know, I think that... I think I, I have gotten renewed vigor behind the Ron Paul campaign. I had a couple of rough days there after the New Hampshire primary. But I really think that something... Amazing is going to happen after Super Tuesday. I don't know what's going to happen with Ron Paul campaign. I don't know what, whether he's going to win or anything like that. But I think that Mitt Romney and uh, Huckabee are on the ropes at this point. Well, you know, I heard something today that even old Rush Limbaugh has been trash talking John McCain. So even oh, yeah. uh, Rush Limbaugh is, is totally against John McCain, and he will not support the Republican if John McCain gets the nomination. Yeah, so that's kind of an interesting situation. Like a lot of these so-called conservatives are very upset about their choices, yet they pretend as though Ron Paul doesn't exist. Mm. So if you're not happy with McCain or Romney. Then and you don't think Huckabee's got a chance? Then why aren't you paying attention to Ron Paul? It's just some weird media blackout going on. Well, um, once Huckabee and Romney are out of the picture, which it looks like that that could happen, um, then Ron Paul. I will know, be... You don't think Romney's going to go all the way? I mean, he's got his own money, so he might just play all the way through. Not if he's not winning. Uh, would you spend your own money on a campaign where it's not going anywhere? Yeah, he could, but why would he? Mm, true.
Love to hear from you. 800-259-9231. We go to your phone calls. It's Ziggy across the pond in the UK. You're on Free Talk Live on the Amp Line. Hi, guys. Um, in connection with Ron Paul, um, I've heard a couple of rumors. Uh, first of all is that the Libertarian Party and the Constitutional Party might pull together in backing Ron Paul. Mm-hmm. And the other one, uh, this might seem far-fetched, but I don't think it is as far-fetched as people might think, but Kucinich might be his running mate. I, I think Kucinich has talked about having Ron Paul as his running mate. Um, I don't know that uh, Ron Paul would go the other direction. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I can't think that uh, the Libertarian Party and the Constitutional Party's backing Ron Paul would be a, a huge thing for him. Um, the Libertarians got 300,000 votes uh, in 2004. Yeah, I, I, heard, hmm? I heard that the Ron Paul campaign, uh, sorry, I heard that the Libertarian Party um, is split at the moment. You think it's split? I don't know what you mean by that. Hang on. 800-259-9231. You can bring up anything. This is your show. It is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. Inviting you to our website at freetalklive.com. The features we give away, so enjoy those on us. Uh, and if you enjoy the show and want to help us out a little bit, then go buy some stuff at the Free Talk Live store. Just head over to store.freetalklive.com and grab yourself some high-quality Free Talk Live branded merchandise like T-shirts, hats, hoodies, and we've got other products as well. Head over to store.freetalklive.com and you can learn how you can get a copy of Barry Cooper's DVD, Never Get Busted, free with your order. Get all the details at store.freetalklive.com. Back to Ziggy in the UK. Uh, you We uh, went away there for a moment. You were talking about how you thought the Libertarian Party was split, and I, I wasn't I've, quite understanding. I've heard you say yourself that there seems to be some sort of there was some sort of rift within the Libertarian Party. I also know that the issue of Iraq has split um, people. I do know one candidate who is in support of the Iraqi War, and I actually told them, "Well, you, then you're not a Libertarian." <laughs> That's Sorry, true. But the initiation of force is a central plank uh, of Libertarianism that you don't do. Right. Rejecting the initiation of force yeah. is what libertarianism is all about. Exactly. So, um, as far as the split goes, I, yeah, there are definitely some people in the Libertarian Party that, in my book, and I think even in your book, Mark, would not qualify as libertarians. And uh, they have, uh, they're, they're more of the political, uh, political types, uh, which, of course, is obvious. It is a political party, so it will attract these types of people. And they've been watering down the Libertarian Party's message for years now. And it just it just seems to keep getting worse. There's a, there's a group of people that have uh, have dedicated themselves to bringing back the party to its uh, its glory days, if you will. But I don't know how effective they're going to be. It's 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 the watering down due to the the, the wanting that uh, they want electoral success. They think that if they water down the principles, then they'll have electoral success. Yeah, and I have to disagree with that because it seems as though they haven't been successful with that. Uh, it right. seems that we've got, it, a, we've got a party that espouses, uh, you know, economic conservatism, um, you know, with watered down uh, planks, and um, you know, Americans know what they're going to get from that. I don't right. see any reason why they would want to replace that party. Right. If you want to join the Republicans or Democrats, they're that they're out there, and you can join their party. It's it's just that I, I mean that is a typical political party maneuver. I yep. mean, you know, I've I've been a member of the Liberal Democrats, who were the party of liberty. And I've slowly seen it turn into more and more socialistic 
over the time. Sure. Over, over time. And it drives out the, the good principled activists like ourselves who at one yeah. time were excited about being involved and now we're disgusted and, and completely turned off by it. And it really is just more evidence that it's going to be next to impossible to actually change this country through the political process. I mean, the parties themselves that at one time stood for liberty no longer stand for it anymore. I, I have to I have to say, um, I, won't, I can't announce anything at the moment, but I have spoken to the guy who contacted me from hearing me on free talk live and there is there is movement to to try and and basically fight to bring the liberal democrats back to more libertarian lines yeah we actually had kevin a friend of yours call in to uh, to tell us about that at the beginning of the hour and i i wish you guys the the best of luck with that endeavor i don't uh, know how successful it will be i don't know how successful the republican well, I, liberty I, I will, caucus I, I has will, been i will let you know and uh, apologies for using your personal in, uh, inbox by the way oh oh that's not a problem it's, Thanks, but I, did, I did send you um something you should read shocking police story from from, from the uk absolutely shocking Okay, well, there's no shortage of shocking police stories. In fact, I've got one tonight involving a New York City detective and a 13-year-old prostitute. Thanks for the call, dude. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. And just so you know, he wasn't buying her services. Hmm. We'll tell you what he was doing. Uh, But first, your calls, Xander in Illinois. You're on Free Talk Live. Xander. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Hey, no problem. What's on your mind? Uh, actually, uh, I wanted to talk about something that's not talked about at all, and that's one of the reasons I'm calling you guys, yeah. is, uh, uh, the thing is, I donate blood, mm. except, uh, a lot of people probably wouldn't be cool with that, because I'm gay, and, uh, basically when I go to donate, I lie about, they ask you if you've ever had sexual contact with someone. With a man since, like, since 1967. Like yeah, nineteen eighty. like that. Yeah. And it's just a ridiculous law. I'm, I'm safe. I'm in a committed relationship. And there are a lot of people like me. And I've heard two different ways to go around it. Is either... Wait, let, let me see if I got this straight. They'll deny your ability to give blood if you're gay? Right. The AABB, Absolutely. the American Blood Bank, uh, the American Association of Blood Banks, uh, you know, has a rule. And they have lots of rules. And one of those rules is gay people that have had sex with a man with another man or you know men that have had sex with another other men since 1980 cannot donate blood that's the rule <laughs> what i mean i understand that there's a higher chance of having uh, aids for, through having homosexual encounters but uh, they, test this, they, they, they test this stuff all the time too so. well, they test every bat every every pint of blood is tested this is what i don't get yeah, that doesn't make sense to me. I mean, they just they just don't want to test it if you're gay. They don't want to spend the money to do the testing. Largely, that- well, largely it was a policy that was created, um, you know, in a time of fear. That we we didn't know a lot about AIDS mm-hmm. when the policy was uh, created, and and now we we know a lot more and we have better testing methods. But the policy remains. So you do the right thing and you lie to them then. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's basically, and I've been told like you know, you know, always oh, tell them the truth and. You know, to make a statement, but they're not going to, they don't care. No. No, who are you making a statement to? You're making a statement to the phlebotanist at the uh, local blood bank. Do you think that's going to go up the chain? No. (laughs) I mean, no. I, I don't. Well, I don't know I what I think, I'd... but you know, I mean, I, I haven't looked at the science on this. I would, I would want to look at the science, but I do think that, um, you know, they they should relook at this situation and, uh, check, you know, look at the uh, new. Um, information as opposed to just keeping around some old And what's rule. with the arbitrary date, the 1980? What's with that? Because that's when the swine flu started. I think it's just a really out-of-date policy. I, that's that's why I'm guessing. 
Hold on a second, Mark. Wait, what's swine flu? Swine flu was the uh, the sort of precursor to AIDS. They they hadn't really named it at that point. Um, so you're saying people didn't have AIDS before 1980? Right. That seems hard to believe. AIDS is a relatively new phenomenon. Uh, I thought it was only identified in the 1980s. I thought people had it before that. The, the you know the mid 1980s. So people, you're saying people didn't even have AIDS, or it was not identified That's as that? They did not have AIDS before 1980. Wow. Okay, I didn't know that. Very good. Any other thoughts, sir? No, that's all. I just wanted to wonder what you guys thought about it and what well, you thought. Well, like, I normally I had, this, I had something happen to me that was similar. Um, the I went. I, I got to deferred is what they call it. You can't give for a year if you um, come into contact with someone else's blood. So if you get say in a fist fight or mm-hmm. uh, you know I suppose you have sex with a woman while she's on her menstrual um, you know period or whatever. Really? Um, if you come, well, then I'm com- out. If you. Uh, God, if you uh, if you come <laughs> come out and uh, you know admit that you'll get deferred. If you um, if you visit Haiti, um, I know for one, and, and I think Africa, you'll get deferred for a year. So I went to Haiti for 36 hours. I'm like, well, why? Well, you could have had sexual contact with someone, but I'm telling you, I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I went to Haiti for a mission, uh, you know, thing for 36 business. hours. Yeah. yeah, it was business and um, that kind of thing. I didn't have sex with anybody. Um, but uh, can't they just ask me? Have I had sex with anyone in Haiti since 19, you know since in the last year? But you know they got some silly rules, Absurd. and it's it's not just gay people that uh, have the problems with it. But I have heard this complaint, and I sort of I, I understand. Xander, uh, I have to say that you know generally telling lies is a bad thing, but in this case, I can't see any reason why you shouldn't. Okay, thanks a lot. Thanks for the call, dude. 800-259-9231. If what you want to do is is donate blood and you know you live a safe lifestyle, say what you got to say. Well, I I um gays are discriminated against to some extent in this country and it's it's not out in the open very much. So this is one the of those policies the mean? discrimination is is not. Um so this is one of those policies that's right smack dab in your face out in the open. Yeah. And I can understand why they buck against it. I don't think that most people feel um a great deal of uh hardship over not being able to give blood. Oh my god, I can't get the free bag of Fritos. But I like I don't think that's why people are giving blood. They're not giving blood for the free bag of Fritos. They're giving blood in the idea that eventually they might need some of it, right? That they, they're, they're helping people that need blood, and then if something awful were to happen to them, that hopefully people would still be giving blood at that time, and therefore there'd be blood for them to use for themselves. I guess. Civic duty, uh, I think, is probably um, the best way to describe it. Sounds like selfishness to me, and I think it's just fine. Well, this, the, the very fact that you give blood does not guarantee that someone else will. No, it certainly doesn't, but that's the idea. Yeah, the it, idea it, is it that It continues the it, blood bank so right. that other people can. Yeah. Um, you know, that's why I give blood. Obviously, I know, um, you know, a great deal about this. I've given well over a gallon of blood. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's they're, what they're trying to do is knock down the last few barriers out there. And I understand why they're doing it. So. 800-259-9231. Still to come. Uh, mentioned the IRS story with Wesley Snipes yesterday. We didn't get to that. And I want to talk about what the IRS has to say. Because we talked about the, the Snipes case over the, I think it was over the weekend. Yeah, uh, on the Saturday show. But we never really heard what the IRS has to say about it. And now they've re- released a statement, uh, a few quotes that are very, very interesting. Uh, and we'll get to that here in moments. Also, uh, as I mentioned, the Army suicide rate jumping up by the double digits. That plus NYPD detective and his 13-year-old prostitute. That's right. He was her pimp. We'll get to all that and more, hopefully. Uh, Of course, your calls as well. They're primary. 800-259-9231. 
Hour number two is on the way. This is Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com, the features we give away. So enjoy those on us. Uh, Once again, that's freetalklive.com. The latest on the Wesley Snipes case still to come here, but first, the Army suicide rate up by over 20%. According to the AP, as many as 121 Army soldiers committed suicide in 2007, a jump of some 20% over the year before. And as I understood it, as I understood it in 2006 or prior to 2007, the rate was up anyway. So, I mean, ever since the, uh, the Iraq conflict, more people have been killing themselves in the military. Hmm. The rise comes despite numerous efforts to improve the mental health of a force stressed by a longer-than-expected war in Iraq and the most deadly year yet in the now six-year-old conflict in Afghanistan. Internal briefing papers prepared by the Army's psychiatry consultant earlier this month showed there were 89 confirmed suicides last year and 32 deaths that are suspected suicides and still under investigation. More than a quarter of those, uh, those about 34, happened during deployments in Iraq, an increase from 27 in Iraq the previous year. Report also shows an increase in the number of attempted suicides and self-injuries, some 2,100 in 2007, compared to less than 1,500 the previous year. 2,100 people attempted to kill themselves or somehow harm themselves in one year's time in the Army. That's just the Army. Do, uh, does the Army have uh, emo kids in it? I mean, are they? I, I'm just wondering. I just want to you know, flesh out uh, you know, the, um, you know, the specifics here. Are, are we talking about uh, people just cutting themselves, or are we talking about people actually trying to kill themselves? I don't know. It it doesn't really break it down. Yeah. But we are talking about some people harming themselves. Yeah. Well, probably most, uh, you know, I don't know. They're talking about, uh, the, the article is talking about people trying to kill themselves. Right. And 121 of them were successful. Officials said the rate of suicides per 100,000 active duty soldiers has not yet been calculated. But, but in a half million person active duty army, the 2006 toll of 102 translated to a rate of 17.5 per 100,000. The rate has fluctuated over the years. They started counting in 1980. The lowest rate was back in 2001 at 9.1 per 100,000. So ever since 2001, uh, it has been going up and up. Uh, More and more military people killing themselves. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that uh, they would want to do something like that? I mean, that guarantees they're never going to come home. So how bad do things really... Because life sucks. That's, uh, that, that's got to be the reason. Right, but I mean, how bad do things have to be in order for these people to say, you know what, screw any chances of ever coming back to America? Because, I mean, at least if you didn't kill yourself, you'd have a chance of making it back. I understand things are bad, but if you kill yourself, there's 100% chance you're never coming back, except in a body bag. Well, a lot of people that uh, go into the military don't have much else. You know, they, they went in for, you know, to create a life for themselves, and then they 
decide, I assume, that that life isn't worth living for whatever reason. I guess uh, it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, it's not teaching them the self-discipline that they, uh, that they were advertising on their commercials. It's not teaching them the pride that they was advertised in the commercials. I don't know. Well, the psychiatry consultant to the Army Surgeon General has said that officials found failed personal relationships, which, as we well know, from not just this war, but many wars in the past, when military people go, go overseas from their loved ones, as much as their wives or husbands might have loved them and might still love them, there's right. still Jody that comes along. There's still that loneliness factor, and they're eventually they break down. They find someone else that cares about them, that's willing to fill the shoes of their loved one that went overseas, and inevitably the relationship breaks up. They sometimes find out about that the hard way. I mean, it's always going to be hard, but they, they find out about it while they're in the midst of just a, a hellish place. They're in the middle of a, a war situation, and then they discover that their their girlfriend or, or husband or whoever has decided to leave them. That has to be pretty devastating. I can't even imagine what that would be like. Financial and uh, legal problems, apparently also a contributing factor, and the stress of their jobs have been the main factors in soldier, uh, soldier suicides. Yeah, so they, uh, the crappy pay, the, uh, the crappy job, and um, the you know, separation from their family. Yeah, yeah, the fact that uh, you're constantly uh, under the, uh, the threat of death from explosion, friendly fire, violence from the insurgents. I mean, seeing your friends dying, that can't be good. For your mental health. Uh, officials have also found that the number of days troops are deployed also contributes to that stress. And, and as, they keep on raising those numbers. Right. Well, as we know, they have the stop-loss program going on where if you're over there and you've got your tour of duty or however long that, that lasts for, you've got your deployment, uh, and your day comes up that you're supposed to get out, they tell you, ah, sorry, we still need your services, buddy. Looks like you're sticking around for an undefined period of time. Sometimes it can last for several more months before they'll end up going home. Talk about depressing. When the army was stretched, or with the army stretched thin by years of fighting the two wars, the Pentagon last year extended normal tours of duty to 15 months from 12, and has sent some troops back to the war several times. The army's been hoping to reduce tour lengths this summer, but the prospect could depend heavily on what General Petraeus uh, recommends when he gives his assessment to Congress in April. A succession of studies on mental health in the military have found a system that might have been adequate for peacetime has been overwhelmed by troops coming home from war. Some troop surveys in Iraq have shown that 20% of Army soldiers have signs and symptoms of post-traumatic stress, which can cause flashbacks. Those are the ones in Iraq. The 20% of them are showing signs of uh, post-traumatic stress, and they're in Iraq. So wait till they get home. It'll, then that's when it really comes on as I understand it, which can cause flashbacks of traumatic combat experiences and other severe reactions. See, they're still experiencing the combat hell right now. See, and they're having flashbacks already. Mm. Imagine that more flashbacks happen when you're not actually experiencing the, the hell in real life. About 35% of soldiers are seeking some kind of mental health treatment a year after returning home under a program that screens returning troops for physical and mental health problems, say officials. They've worked to set up a number of new programs and strengthen old ones for providing mental health care to the force. Now, they claim that, but we read a story last year that said that uh, many of these individuals who are really messed up in the head have been diagnosed as a pre-existing condition by the military. I believe that was what the term was that, that, that they used. Correct me if, if you think I'm wrong on this, but the military's basically said, uh, sorry, we can't cover you on this. 
Mm. We don't believe that you got this from the military or whatever. Yeah, there's uh, they've they've definitely been uh, telling people that. No, you can't get covered. Sorry. Right. So the military is going to give the statement to the media here when they're asking them about this story. Oh, don't worry. We've got programs, new programs coming up. We're going to help these guys. We're going to help these guys. And then every time you actually hear the truth about how well helped the military members are, you find out that they're just getting screwed right and left. The Veterans Care, the Veterans Administration is awful. It's a true example of socialized health care in this country. And any veteran that's ever experienced it, the ones that we've talked to, they would never go back if they didn't feel like they they had to. Many of them go because they uh, they're impoverished, they can't afford uh, they can't afford other options, or that's you know that's what they believe. They've been told it's free health care, and so they're willing to put up with the the nonsense. But it's just an absolute nightmare getting help from the Veterans Administration. Yeah, you, you said that uh, you've met veterans that believe that the uh, the VA is trying to kill them. You know they that's could what be they're paranoid. motivated to do. Right, they could be paranoid. I don't know, but not motivated. Uh, um, that's what they're incentivized to do. I should say. Well, that's true. In that uh, they are going to get paid regardless right. of whether they help you or not. Right, they're going to get paid one way or the other, and it would be easier for them to care for fewer people. So the more dead vets, the better. As right, far as, as and, far as the incentive goes. And they I, also. I'm certain that many of the people, you know, most of the people, take their jobs very seriously. I just really have a problem with a system that incentivizes doctors to kill people. Well, not only that, they're also incentivized to not care. I mean, if they aren't going to kill somebody, they're not really incentivized to do anything correctly, necessarily. So Mm -hmm. if someone comes in and says, you know, Doc, I've got this problem, they say, well, okay, here, I'll prescribe you this. And they don't really do that much as far as diagnosing a problem. They just say, oh, you've got pain? Well, here's a painkiller. You know, let's not look for the reason for the pain. And how many vets are out there addicted to drugs? Right. Let's not find the source of your pain and try to correct that. Let's just cover it up with some, oh, I don't know, hydrocodone. That's another issue that these people deal with. And and I'm sure we're barely scratching the surface because neither you or I has ever had the opportunity to experience it for ourselves. Of course, we all might be experiencing it soon enough with uh, this universal health care proposal that many of these politicians have on the table. Hopefully that doesn't come to fruition. 800-259-9231, but unless Ron Paul gets elected... Odds are pretty darn good at will. More on the way. You can take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever's on your mind. This is your show. Still to come, the New York police detective and his 13-year-old prostitute. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up anything. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com and grab the archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, they're right there on the front page of the website. For your download and convenience, go get them for free. freetalklive.com. Do you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? SACL CAI does collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep those clients, too. SACL CAI. Check out their banner at freetalklive.com or do business with businesses that support Free Talk Live. 800-259-9231. You know, we talk a lot on this show about corruption when it comes to not just uh, regular government officials. We know they're corrupt, uh, but also the police. Uh, anybody that's been paying attention and, and watching the news and, and specifically looking for stories like this will find no shortage 
of stories of police corruption. In fact, every week I get an email from the Drug Reform Coordination Network, StopTheDrugWar.org, which has an excellent breakdown of the week's corrupt cops, uh, corrupt cops activities, in that they, they show you from across the country a variety of different stories involving uh, street cops, detectives, many times the sheriff himself, uh, and, and jailers. Uh, don't forget those jailers. Also FBI and DEA agents. I mean, all over. If you're, if you're a cop and you're dealing with the world of drugs, there's a good chance you're on the take. There's a good chance you're a drug dealer yourself. There's a good chance you're stealing money from drug dealers or stealing drugs from drug dealers and reselling it or turning it over to a, a friendly drug dealer. I mean, there's all kinds of different instances of police corruption. Uh, corrections officers sneaking drugs into prisons, dealing drugs in prisons. Now, I'd like to say that uh, I, I was in prison for nine years. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm had a, you know, you get your ear to the ground in a lot of instances. I probably didn't know about every cop that was bringing in, uh, drugs into that prison, but I, I can tell you a few were. Sure. Now, it's not always all of them. It's always a handful. Right. That's that's what I want to make clear, is that the vast majority of uh, of the correctional officers there were not bringing drugs in. Now, you right. Know, if, they were, if they were all bringing them in, there'd be too much competition and prices would be low. We're all human and we all have our sins, um, and that's one of the reasons that I have a problem with uh, force and coercion as a concept inside of government. But... Um, you know, and some of the certainly some of them uh, w- would be you know beating up on inmates as opposed to dr- bringing drugs in or those kind of things. There's that kind of corruption. There too, were some sure. of them were you know Sadists. doing fine jobs, but I just want to make it clear that most of them, not even uh, I, I wouldn't think ten percent of them were bringing drugs in. Whatever. The fact is, the corruption's there, and, and the people that are, are willing to take the risks, the officers that are willing to take the risks, will get the They're rewards. They're certainly in- incentivized to do just that. Uh, and so normally we focus on drug-related corruption, because there's no shortage of it. No shortage. Uh, but tonight we're going to focus on something a little bit different. Sexual-related corruption. In this case, prostitution. But in many cases, usually when we talk about sexual-related corruption, it has to do with the police pulling over a young lady and then giving her an offer she can't refuse that involves fellatio or some other uh, sexual activity going on in the back of a police car. I'm, down sh- in, I'm sure that some young ladies have made that offer in order to get out of tickets, too. Down an alley or something like that. Uh, and, there's again, there are plenty of instances of that. Usually it goes unreported. Usually you'll hear those stories. Usually we get those stories not from the news, though they have appeared in the news, but usually from people calling in or writing emails who've known someone or they themselves have experienced uh, the this sort of police, this brand of police corruption. But what happened in Queens recently, according to WCBS-TV, really takes the sickness to a new level. It's sex-related corruption, prostitution-related corruption combined with just sadism. According to uh, CBS, a veteran police detective, I tell you, it's nine times out of ten, the veterans. Very rarely do the rookies end up getting busted for these crimes. They don't have connections. A veteran police detective and a woman who claimed to be his wife were both placed under arrest on Wednesday, accused of keeping a 13-year-old girl locked up inside their home and forcing her to work as a prostitute at parties around the city. Wayne, oh, hell of a party. Wayne Taylor, 35, and his girlfriend, Zalika Brown, pleaded not guilty to kidnapping, promoting prostitution, assault, and endangering the welfare of a child. Taylor is a 14-year veteran of the NYPD. If convicted, he and Zalika Brown could face up to 25 years in prison each. Taylor's lawyer, Peter Brill, told reporters his 35-year-old client has a right to have a case proven against him beyond a reasonable doubt. And that he is does true. That. that is true. It might turn out, he says, that there's a great deal of exaggeration in this case. 
Richard Brown, who is apparently, not sure who that is, but he said, uh, this case is every parent and every child's worst nightmare. Oh, apparently he's the DA. Uh, Made even more frightening by the fact that one of the defendants is a police officer who swore to uphold the law and protect the community he serves. I would agree. This case will be vigorously prosecuted. According to the charges, the 13-year-old victim ran away from her parents' home in Brooklyn on January 10th. Met an individual known as Drama, who offered to get her into the business of dancing for money at parties. Prosecutors said Drama brought the girl to Zalika Brown, who later told the victim she had purchased her for $500 to work as a prostitute. And by the way, this is how it usually starts when it comes to teen prostitution. usually starts with with kids running away and then encountering people like this. Mm. The victim was then allegedly introduced to Officer Taylor, who was told that she was Brown's husband. Taylor also allegedly instructed the victim to say that she was 19 if anyone asked her age. (laughs) Uh, A 13-year-old claiming to be a 19-year-old, okay. I don't know, man. I've seen some pretty well-developed 13-year-olds. They're not, they don't look 19. No, that's I true. I wouldn't think. If asked about her prices, she was to say that oral sex would cost $40 and that the fee for sexual intercourse was $80. Jeez. Taylor and Zalika Brown, are you jeezing because it's pricey or cheap? I, I can't believe <laughs> that... Uh, first off, I'm, I'm thoroughly disgusted, um, and I can't believe the rates are so incredibly low. I mean, you know, the... You're, you're talking about a very scarce commodity here, a 13-year-old willing to have sex for money with adults. Is it scarce? I, 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 in, in my world, I it's damn know. scarce. I can tell you that. I, I don't know how scarce it is, but I mean, th- judging by those prices, there might be a little competition around. I, I, I don't know. Taylor and Zalika Brown allegedly took the victim to a party being held at the Queen's, a Queen's Barbershop. And while there, whoa, approximately 20 men paid cash to Taylor who then, depending on the fee paid, instructed the victim to engage in either sexual intercourse or oral sex with the men. Hmm. While holding the girl against her will, Zalika Brown chastised her for not earning enough money and slammed her head into the floor, say prosecutors. Hmm. This is also typical when it comes to not just teen prostitution, but prostitutes in general. Because it's black market, because it's underground, typically violence is associated with the trade. Hmm. If it's not the pimps being violent against the girls, it's the Johns being violent against the girls, or the pimps being, or the, the girls' protectors being violent against the Johns. I mean, there's all kinds of different levels of violence that can come into play here. Whereas if you go to the Bunny Ranch in Nevada, or if you go to another uh, location in Nevada where it's right. completely legal... The hookers, uh, they are the ones who set the rules. They decide what kind of clients um, they're going to see. They decide what kind of uh, activities they're going to participate in. With those clients, they decide what the uh, conditions are at the brothel. I, I mean, you know, the, the, these brothel owners are, are uh, they're, they're at the mercy of their employees, which is fine. Sure. That's, that, that's negotiations, but it's entirely different. There. It, yep, it sure sure is, and it's entirely a lot safer there, too. Not only from a violence perspective in that uh, there are bodyguards around, so if a John tries something with a, a girl, <laughs> that won't last very long. And uh, and also there's the STD factor. The girls in the legal market are tested. The girls in the legal market are a lot safer than black market whores. More on the way. This is your show. It is Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk 
live. It is your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. The wiki is there. Get interactive with it. Over 1,500 pages created by listeners just like you. You can go to wiki.freetalklive.com and uh, have a good time because it's free. That's wiki.freetalklive.com. Your mattress was likely manufactured using all kinds of disturbing chemicals. Does that bother you? It bothers some scientists, especially in the case of young children. Savvy Rest mattresses are made of 100% natural latex rubber, organic wool, and organic cotton. Try their crib mattresses, too. SavvyRest.com for the sleep you've been dreaming of. That's SavvyRest.com. Back to the story from WCBS-TV in New York City. A New York police detective, a 14-year veteran of the force, Mm. has been caught and charged. Now, he hasn't been found guilty yet, so keep that in mind. Innocent until proven guilty and all that. Though, I can tell you, I knew a new, uh, former NYPD detective who told me, in no uncertain terms, that every single person he did business with on the force was corrupt. So, this doesn't come as much of a surprise to me. But what's surprising is the, uh, the, are the details that surround this particular case. It's not drug-related corruption. This one's prostitution-related. But it's not just your typical cop being a pimp. This is a cop being a pimp for a 13-year-old girl taking her around to area parties and having her work the crowd and charge $40 for a BJ and $80 for full-on sexual intercourse. Mm. She apparently, uh, or the the officer was apparently doing it in tandem with a uh, lady friend of his, who he claims is his wife, Zalika Brown. Word is that while the girl was being held against her will, Ms. Brown chastised her for not earning enough money and proceeded to slam the young girl's head into the floor. Officer Taylor told the victim that if she failed to earn more money or tried to leave the home, he would force her to work as a prostitute on the streets, prosecutors said. He told the girl an alarm on the house would alert him if she tried to leave, they said. The girl finally did escape to her family, who took her to a police precinct, said the cops. A third person, 18-year-old Crystal Tootie, who also allegedly worked for Brown as a prostitute, was arrested on charges of promoting prostitution, assault, and endangering the welfare of a child. The teen is accused of slapping the 13-year-old at Brown's uh, direction for talking too much to customers and punching her, giving the girl a black eye. The 17-year-old was told to oversee the victim at parties. Prosecutors said, they said she was 18 in the previous paragraph, now they're saying she's 17. Anyway, they did not immediately have information on whether the older teen had a lawyer. So more, uh, CBS is going to report more on this in the future as the and story develops. And this is developed. entirely um, because of the, uh, you know, the, it's, it's the driven war in, on prostitution. Yeah, it's, it's driven into the black market because it's illegal. You're absolutely right. I mean, if we had legal prostitution, there would be... The, the whole situation would change. It would all be done on a legitimate basis by real business people that would not be able to abuse their employees. The, the owner of the Bunny Ranch in Nevada does not beat his women. No. He couldn't get away with it because if he started... He wouldn't tre- put up with it. Right. If he started treating his girls that way, they'd go somewhere else. They'd go start their own brothel. Or they'd go work for somebody else who already had a brothel that was open. So there, there's, there's so many reasons. I mean, obviously the competition would make the industry safer. We've seen that the girls in the legitimate prostitution yep. world, they have themselves tested. That means they're safer. The Johns are safer. There's no violence associated right. with the trade. Ha- if you allowed 18-year-old women and up to uh, participate in prostitution of their own volition, which is essentially just a, uh, 
Um, it's just a transaction between two people. I can pay some 18-year-old girl to, to dance erotically for me uh, in front of me in my own house. What difference does it really make? Um, if, if you allowed that to happen, this kind of thing, which is surprisingly common, would, dis- would nearly disappear. There would still be pedophiles out there, but the ephebiophiles, the guys that are interested in, in girls between the ages of you know, like 14 and 18, those guys would likely uh, be satiated. They would uh, make do with uh, 18-year-old girls dressed up in pigtails or something. Yeah, schoolgirl uniform. Right, that kind of nonsense, um, which, you know, I, I, I just, it's a shame that we are so you know pent up in this country yeah. that we won't allow this stuff to go go on above board because it's going on below board and your laws aren't helping and this little girl this little 13 year old girl was hurt by these laws i'll go a step further mark i'm gonna go a step further what's that because i understand where you're coming from and i agree completely that oh, prostitution well, i know what step you're going prostitution should be legalized but the fact is if you make it illegal for teenagers to participate, people under the age of 18, then they're just going to be stuck in the black market. And I have another story to, uh, to back me up on that point. This one's from Fort Worth, Texas, the Associated Press. Several teenage gang members have been arrested on suspicion of forcing girls as young as 12 into a prostitution ring. Now, this isn't a 35-year-old cop. These are teenagers. Yeah. Want Teenage to, gangsters. Want to be pimps. Right. Now, what do gang? How do gangs make their money? Always hmm? black market stuff. Right. If it's prohibited, then it is the product of a gang. Then it's open to crim- the criminal element. So drugs, gangs make lots of money on drugs. Prostitution, they make plenty of money on that. Gambling, they can make some money there too. Running guns, that's another option. What are some other? Pro- I mean, if there's anything else that's prohibited, pre- pre- prescription drugs, they're uh, semi-prohibited. So gangs can right. cash in on that. Um, uh, you know, unt- untaxed liquor, untaxed cigarettes, uh, because the some of the taxes are so high on cigarettes, gangs are able to sell black market cigarettes that are untaxed for uh, significantly less, and they're able to make enough of a market that they're willing to enough of a markup that they're willing to do it. Same with uh, liquor, the taxes aren't quite quite as high on liquor, but if you can move enough of a quantity, it's uh, it's worth it. Plus, right. you get the fun of saying you're, uh, um, you know, you're you're running shine. Bootlegger. Yeah. <laughs> um, so one last thing: yeah. uh, depleted uranium. You know, that fa- probably falls into, or not depleted, but uranium, hmm. like stuff for bombs, uh, that kind of thing, stuff for dirty bombs. It's not your street gangs that are doing that. No, but, no. Uh, but if they could, they would. Certainly, a criminal element is involved. It, there's not a lot of it out there. Uh, so after here's how it worked. After befriending the girls and getting them high, various central gang members took them to some regular customers and then sought other men by trolling apartment complexes, offering the girls services for fifty dollars. The gang apparently targeted runaways and other girls with unstable homes. And if the girls refused to have sex for money, guess what happened? Um, they beat them up. Yeah. The members of the gang beat and sexually assaulted them, and then, as icing on the cake, threatened their families. Mm. This is also a typical move, not just when it comes to teen prostitution, but prostitutes in general. Wherever it's prohibited, if you have somebody who's um, who's run away or is just having a tough time, they've been offered. In many cases, in Eastern Europe, for instance, uh, the gangsters will offer them a ticket to, uh, to to more freedom. They'll you know say, oh, you can come with us to the UK or come come with us to America and you can have a better life. Well, it turns out that they were lying. And what what happens is once the girls go into the custody of the gang, then the gang threatens them and they threaten their family. So they say, look, 
you might not care about your life, but you care about your mom and dad, or you care about your sister or, your, or whoever it was you loved back at home, and we know where they live. And if you try to run away from us, we'll kill your parents. Yeah. And so, you know, even if they're having a bad life and could care less if the gangsters kill them, they don't want their their parents to suffer, so they, they're scared to death, and they stay in the, 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 prosti- the forced prostitution situation. Mm-hmm. So this happens to, uh, to many, many young ladies in, this, in well, this country and around the world, the way, and it's tragic. And the way that this would be prevented if, um, you know, that sort of thing would be prevented in um, the free market is if a woman voluntarily goes into the the business of prostitution she can uh, you know she's she's paying for herself and her living expenses and, mm-hmm. and likely a place for her or whatever if a gang gets a girl and uh, puts her um, into this situation then not only do you have to pay for the living expenses which would be admittedly lower for yeah. a slave um, but you'd still have to feed her you still have to house her and you have to pay the gang and, and you have to pay for all the you know stuff that goes on and and uh, you know acquiring one of these girls depending on the scenario that they manage to do it and then you have to give enough money that these black market people are willing to risk uh, being put in prison for a long long time for you know what they call white slavery which is a awful little term in in and of itself but you know so the in the the market will take care of this issue i swear people absolutely there's no incentive if there's legal competition for gangs to enter the marketplace but more on the way on this story about the teen prostitution gang all on the way here on free talk live and you can come in as well it's your show take control this is Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can bring up whatever you want. Toll free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll free line. Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features we give away, so enjoy those on us. If you like the show, want to help us out a bit, then shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Entering Amazon through that link will result in a percentage of your purchase. Going to Free Talk Live. There are over 41 categories for you to shop from. Lots of stuff to buy. Uh, I mean, if you can think of it, they probably sell it. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Head on over, get some shopping done, and help Free Talk Live out all at the same time. It's Amazon.freetalklive.com. One of the things you can't buy on Amazon, however, is a prostitute. And uh, that's what we're talking about right now is uh, the world of prostitution, both legal and illegal, focusing right now uh, on teenage prostitution, which I'm sure some people don't want to believe it, but it exists. In fact, it's probably more widespread than any of us could possibly imagine. According to the story from the AP, Fort Worth, Texas, police ended up stumbling onto a prostitution ring, which was being run by teenage gang members. Now, as you mentioned before, gangs can only profit in areas where prohibition exists. So drugs and prostitution are, and gambling are three of the major uh, profit mo- or pr- modes of uh, operation for these gangs. And uh, so here's some more of the story as we continue here, and would love your thoughts as well. D, uh, one of the investigators said the age of the victims and suspects was a surprising part of it. To have such young individuals in a somewhat organized business, a forced prostitution ring is somewhat alarming and such a horrendous crime against the 12 to 16-year-old girls. Detectives found five victims between 12 and 16, but believe there might be more. Those girls are back with relatives or in other safe places, he said. A 15-year-old girl who might be a gang member helped the group by going to the victims' houses to pick them up under the pretense of going shopping or to a movie, which fooled the parents. Four alleged gang members were arrested January 3rd after they took a 14-year-old to a convenience store to have sex with the owner, a regular customer of the prostitution ring. 
Diego Rodriguez and Martin Reyes, 19 and 17, were charged with counts including engaging in organized criminal activity, aggravated kidnapping and trafficking of a person. Uh, Rodriguez held on a $170,000 bond, did not have an attorney. Uh, and then the other guy's $150,000 bond. The case of the two boy, cases of two boys, age 15 and 16, and the 15-year-old girl accused of helping the gang are being handled in the juvenile system. The convenience store owner, Chang Lee, 56, was charged with aggra- aggravated kidnapping, engaging in organized criminal activity and prostitution. He remained jailed with a bail at over $300,000. Police discovered the prostitution ring after a woman was caught in August in a neighborhood allegedly offering men sex for $50 with a 14-year-old girl. Police have declined to reveal the relationship between Deborah Castillo, 33, who was charged with compelling prostitution, and the teen gang members. Uh, apparently, Jorge Martinez, accused of paying, paying for sex with the teen in August, remained in jail on a sexual assault charge. So all kinds of people have been put into prison and charged with a variety of different crimes over this one issue. And it really, it could all be solved. All of it could be solved by re-legalizing prostitution, making it so women at whatever age can do business with other consenting, in this case, adults. Well, make your argument. Um, I'm willing to go with you to 18 years old. And sure you I are. Would, I would make the argument that in some of the cases... Here, I, can, you, I can knock you down to 16 easily by saying that states around the country have laws that say that girls, can, can, girls and boys can consent to sex at age 16, so why on earth wouldn't they be able to consent to selling their sex? Why are you knocking me down to 16? Because uh, the law, you're, you're, you're leaning against the, the uh, existing age of consent or the uh, common age of uh, being an adult as your age of choice. Uh, and I'm just saying, well, you can lean back two more years if you want to. Cause... Okay, so, so I'll, I'll, go ahead, I'll give you your 16. Okay. <laughs> so 16 years old, a girl can uh, consent to sex, because they certainly can. I don't see why they can't consent to sex for money if they can consent to sex for um, you know, love, or because the guy's hot, or to uh, move sure. up in a social group, or to make somebody like them, right. or a, a variety of things. And they're doing it now, by the way. They, they are really doing are. it now. Not all of them are forced into it. This is just an example of the, the real dark side of prostitution, the, the, force, uh, the forced sex slavery, basically, is what this story's about. But there are plenty of, uh, of teen girls. I saw a daytime television show, I don't know if it was Oprah or whoever it was, Maury, uh, several years ago when I was working in retail and was on break and I saw this show and they had these uh, these teenage girls that were in there they'd been caught for being prostitutes and they were talking about who they were having sex with in many cases doctors and lawyers uh, many of them of course married men uh, but uh, you know the point is that the, the the clientele is not exactly street level uh, as far as these services are concerned and we're talking about girls who are 15 16 17 you know, maybe even younger than that. Uh, but, you know, these teen girls had been busted. And in one of their cases, she'd made a decent amount of money at this. Like, this is what she was doing with her free time, was being a, a teen prostitute. And her reward for that was that the cops took all her money from her. So she went and took all that risk in the black market and... Uh, Diseases and all kinds of other and risks. Pr- provided a service to, to many men, and uh, she wasn't even allowed to keep the money she earned. So the cops ended up getting all of her profits, which I think is just wrong. Crime doesn't pay, little girl. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's just wrong. Okay, so let me turn it around on you there, mister. Um, I'm willing to say that 16-year-old girls and boys can uh, prostitute themselves for money. Okay. Are you willing to say that six-year-old kids can? 
I think it's disgusting and despicable, and I think that those people should be ostracized. But I'm not going to put someone in jail for that. You wouldn't have. You wouldn't put the parent um, that was uh, pimping them, or the because um, I'm sorry, you're going to need. If you're a six year old, you are not planning the business of prostitution. No, Somebody you're right. is planning it for you. Okay, <laughs> you're right about that. You wouldn't put in jail the parent or the uh, the John that was having you know doing this sort of thing. Well, who's the victim? The six-year-old. Okay. Wait, haven't I painted you a clear enough picture here? I, I understand. I understand where you're coming from on that, and I think that uh, in that case, probably the marketplace would claim that uh, that person was indeed a victim. But I'm not asking uh, who about am the I market- to say what weird sexual things some families get into. I mean, if it's probably their family members that are that are pimping them if they're that young, likely. So I mean, if they want to have, I mean, I don't care about incest. If you want to go and have incest, well, incest I mean, is something entirely different, Ian. Is, it, is that any less two, twisted? Two sixteen-year-old brothers and sisters can do whatever How they want to do. How is that less twisted? How is incest entirely different from a family member selling their kids? You're talking about adults and kid. children. That's a different story. Two what? adults, two adults that are related to each other. I'm fine and dandy. No, no, no. Incest doesn't always involve adults, dude. Incest involves family members at whatever age. It, it's, um, Haven't you read the incest stories? It's usually somebody out in the middle of nowhere living with his and girl, those problems his tend sister, to take care of themselves. Living okay. with his sister and having sex with their kids. I mean, that's what incest is all about. Those problems tend to take care of themselves, and in the case where an adult... What do you mean, with, like, mutations and... No, I'm saying that early uh, death. if you're talking about two kids that are experimenting with each other, then um, you, don't, you don't have the problems of, uh, you know, children being born from that because they're yeah. too young for such a thing. And if you're talking about a parent abusing a child sexually, then, um, as far as I'm concerned, there's a crime being committed. A terrible, heinous crime for which somebody needs to be punished. Yes, I'm talking about punishment. I'm not talking about money given to mm-hmm. the kid. I'm talking about So prison. where do you draw the line? Where does the abuse start? I'm asking you. I'm asking you the same question. If you, I mean, I, I think it's despicable what you're talking about. I just don't know if I really care. I mean, I, some people do, in which case I think they should maybe rescue the kid and take them to a better home. I think where they that they're... There are some uh, th- th- there are some lines um, that they're not all clear cut. That in the case of you know uh, a seventeen year old and a fourteen year old having sex, I I don't think anybody should go to prison there. But in the case of a fourteen year old and a thirty four year old having sex, um, yeah, I think some lines are being crossed. Um, at that, you're point. saying the fourteen year old can't decide for uh, his or herself uh, whether or not to have sex. I'm saying that the fourteen year old has. Um, doesn't have anywhere near the wherewithal. What if the 14-year-old's profiting? What if the 14-year-old what is profiting? What if the 14-year-old is the prostitute? Um, there's some <laughs> real problems there. There's some real problems and some some very strange lines that we're examining here, and I want to go to the phones. We'll conti- we can continue this on here. Uh, Fred and Kalispell, you're on Free Talk Live listening on KGEZ. Good evening, gentlemen. Hey, Fred. Incest is actually sex between blood relatives. Or blood family. That's yes. correct. One of the problems we had in a lot of the towns in the out here because of divorce, they were blaming incest 
on the blood father, and it wasn't the blood father. It was because of the divorce. It was the living boyfriend. Yeah, often. Like getting back to the free market. That's absolutely true, and I'd like to, to flesh that out real quick if we could. Um, fathers are the least likely. Blood fathers are the least likely to molest children out of statistically Amen. of all of them. Interesting. Right. Fred, I know you want to go on. We'll bring you in in hour three. So hang on. 800-259-9231. Uh, what lines would you draw? What would your punishments be? I say that kids that are in dangerous situations like you described with a six-year-old, I say they should be rescued from that situation. I don't know if putting that person in jail is going to improve anything. Uh, more on the way. Let's examine this even closer. We must. <laughs> Hour three's coming up. This is Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number 800-259-9231. As we launch in hour number three of the program, it's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features... We give away free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. We continue our conversation over from last hour. For those just joining us, uh, last hour we discussed a couple of instances of some teenagers being forced into prostitution in two different instances. Uh, one was in New York City where a 14-year-old, pol- excuse me, 14-year veteran of the police department, a detective, was uh, caught for forcing a 13-year-old girl into sex slavery as a, as a prostitute. The other story was from Fort Worth, Texas, where a gang of teenagers was forcing teenage girls between the ages of 12 and 16 into prostitution as well. And, of course, uh, Mark, you and I both agree that prostitution should be re-legalized. However, I say that even young people engaging in uh, the activity, you know, 14, 15, 16, teenagers should also be able to engage in this business without facing the prospect of jail time or having their profits confiscated by the police because if we don't do that, inevitably they will end up still in the black market, still being forced into sex slavery and we can come back to that but fred's on the line in uh in uh, montana fred you're on free talk live good afternoon gentlemen uh, getting back to all the answers we've talked about that already but getting back to the free market i don't care if it's uh prostitution drugs alcohol whatever it is if we really privatized everything and had a free market control look at the jobs we would lose in this country lose <laughs> oh, we'd lose thousands of jobs Number one, look at all the government jobs we lose. Uh-huh. The ones who are making out from all this chaos. Yeah. But that's okay. That they They're not producing want, anything. They could go get real jobs, Fred. It doesn't oh, mean I that... I agree. Yeah. <laughs> but up in Canada, I, this is from the Imprimis. It's a newsletter from Hillsdale College. Yeah, it's great. It's uh, great. They, I get it, too. A couple of months ago in Canada, they, they, they created 56,000 new jobs. It's really sounding good. But look at the numbers they found out that out of the 56,000 jobs... Forty-three thousand were all public employee jobs. <laughs> right. You know, and that's the same thing that's happening in this country. Public. I, I totally agree with you. you. Public employee jobs. I totally agree. Uh, public employee jobs are in. You know, to some extent or another, every public employee job is a make-work job. And right. it's a welfare job. Right. We're forced to pay these people. Now, if I'm forced to pay a public works guy to pick up rocks in one place and move rocks to another place and then pick them up and move them back to the same place, have we, as as the public, gained in any way? No. no. 
the only way you can decide whether a job is worth having around is to have it in the free market. Right. How many how many politicians you hear? If I get elected, I'm going to run government like 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 you do like I like I do a business. Yeah. Well, Plenty I don't of want a business. You have a bottom line. You go too high, you're out of business. You like say you're selling a product for a dollar, mm-hmm. and you get greedy. I'm going to sell for five dollars. Well, the public says the heck with you. They're not going to buy your product. But yep. in the government, they can do the same thing. And just jack up taxes, and we're forced to pay them. Absolutely. Well, this I'm, government I'm totally uh, should have been out of business market. decades ago. They will ago. never allow it to happen. Well, I understand that, and that's why it's the police chiefs that are the primary opponents when it comes to uh, legalizing drugs or re-legalizing prostitution. It's the police chiefs that come out and are the most vociferous and loud-mouthed opponents against it. They don't care about freedom. They're not there just enforcing the law. They're actively in support of the law because, as you say, it means bigger budgets for them and uh, more power for them. That's what they like. Well, look look at Prohibition back back in the 30s. Yeah, you know, we 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 created the mafia. We made the mafia so rich because of prohibition. They were richer than most nations. And once they legalized the alcohol again, the pro you know the mafia had to go back underground. Yeah. You know, it's the same thing with any of the free market stuff. You know, and now that they've legalized to some extent, some uh, poor little extent, uh, lotto, um, they don't the the mafia can't run numbers anymore either. That's uh, right. You know, um, that was big business. Yep, and so well, now the government's running the numbers. They're and stuck it's with not prostitution and drugs, and if we took away prostitution and drugs uh, away from them, they really wouldn't have anything left to guns. do. There's they, guns. Would, they would have guns, but uh, you just can't make. There wouldn't. There's just not enough money. In, not, it's not as consumable. Yeah. One more thing on prostitution. Yes, I think sir. if prostitution was legal, you wouldn't have nowhere near the amount of divorces. Because right now, a woman, you know, men are so dumb. You are not you helping know. this case. What? <laughs> I said you are not helping this case. Well, gee, <laughs> because that's so the biggest concern. If prostitution was legal, you wouldn't have the divorce problem because women couldn't hold, you know, their bodies over that man. That's an interesting point. That would really change relationships in America for right. the better. Well, for, for the better for men. Now, you see, the biggest problem with legalizing prostitution, and I haven't said it ever, but it was it has been said on this show, and it was said by uh, Todd, one of our co-hosts, before we before he was ever a co-host, is he does he said he doesn't agree with uh, prostitution because he's married, and that's the crux of it. Most men are scared to agree with prostitution because they know their wives. Really Really hate the idea. Oh, I see. Because, and why do their wives well, no, hate the idea? The because what I'm saying. What's that? <laughs> Say again, Fred. Gentlemen, you guys have a good night. We missed Thank what you. she said, dude. All right, good night. Well, <laughs> so, uh, you know, women uh, have this this uh, commodity with which they're able to control relationships, and relationships have not uh, evolved in this society to the to the give and take that they really should, and mm. that is the reason that prostitution isn't legal. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. 1-800-259-9231. Uh, so back to the issue, uh, because when we we're talking about teenagers and prostitution, and I said that, uh, you know, teen girls that are engaging in this behavior should not be taken to prison. They should not have their uh, their profits confiscated by the police. You inevitably took it to the absurd, disgusting level of talking about a six-year-old. Well, you're, it's and going to go that it's going to go to that level. 
that, that society you, is going to bring you to that I, level. I understand. We have and had I think enough that, stories let's, to know that's true. Let's break it down, okay? Let's look at this. Because it's uh, you, you were talking about it, like a family pimping out their six-year-old kid, female, male, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, pimping out their six-year-old son or daughter uh, to whoever was willing to pay for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and clearly there are different methods that one could utilize uh, that aren't all necessarily invasive. So my question for you, Mark, certainly if the person is being harmed in some way, if the young person is being physically harmed, obviously damage has been done. There's some action that, that could be taken. forced to do something they don't want to do? Like eat their vegetables? Yeah. That's okay. what that's what it, it, it amounts to in this particular circumstance. Look, one point it's eat your vegetables. The um, the next point it's uh, you know have sex with this old guy. What's Look, the difference? I, th- that's what I'm saying. What's the difference? Oh, I, it's none of my damn business. <laughs> it's none of my business. What you do in your family, what weirdo things your family does, if that's something your family's involved in, that's your family's business, and it's not mine. If you're not hurting the kid then I don't see what the issue is. If you are, if the kid is being harmed physically, then I say, go and rescue him. If you care that much, if you're aware of the situation, because first of all, the number one problem is you're just not going to know. The number one issue here I, is... I'll give you that. Most people are going to be completely unaware of something like this going on. But presuming you accidentally came across that information and were 100% certain that your next-door neighbors were engaging in uh, prostituting their six-year-old and they were being harmed, then you could go and rescue them and take them to some home and uh, then deal with it in arbitration if, if necessary. But what if they weren't being harmed? What if they were involved in some sexual activity that didn't involve tearing of tissue or didn't involve some sort of physical damage? Does that count as harm? Is that something where the government should get involved? Or is that just some weird family thing that should be left the hell alone? God, I don't know, Ian. Well, exactly. Where do you draw the line? I can tell you here. Here's where I draw the line. The, the line is drawn, um, you know, when it comes to prostitution, the line is drawn at 16 <laughs> years old. All right, Look, so now you've got a 14-year-old going out and selling herself. What to are you whom? Doing? To men? Uh, hold on just a second. These men have the option of going to a 16-year-old prostitute. Um, that that would they be want, completely. They want the forbidden fruit, Mark. They want the forbidden fruit. Chop so... their heads off. <laughs> uh, you, uh, what about know, her? Did she get to keep her do. money? No, nah, chop her head off too. I don't. You're care. so awful. I just, now you're I, just I being just, silly. I just can't deal with it. I, I, I my mind well, cannot get around deal this with issue. It. You better deal with it because no. even if prostitution is is legalized you're putting teen girls in danger because they're going to want to get a piece of the action, and as a result, they're going to have to hook up with a pimp, they're going to get beaten, they're going to be threatened. I don't think the market will be there for a 14-year-old prostitute. But the cop that we talked about last hour, the 35-year-old cop... The market is there for a 13-year-old because prostitution is illegal across the board. If we had 16-year-old girls, it It was legal for a 16-year-old... It'd be reduced, I agree, but there's still people out there that would be looking for the forbidden it's just a More few people chop their heads off. This is Free Talk Live. Want to hear your thoughts? This is Free Talk Live, and it is your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there we give away, so enjoy those on us, including uh, the live streams, broadband version of the show and a dial-up version, both for free for you at freetalklive.com. You can lose up to 25 pounds in just nine days without permanently changing your diet. 
this amazing doctor-recommended product. You can uh, check out at uh, ftldiscount.com, read some real testimonials, and find out how to order. That's ftldiscount.com. Still to come, the IRS speaks out about the Wesley Snipes case. We'll see what their excuse is. Uh, But first, we go to the phones and talk to Jason in Ohio. Jason, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, guys. How are you? Great. What's on your mind? Well, I had had something I wanted to bring up. Before I do, uh, if I could comment on the last caller. Sure. I, I'm always kind of perplexed when I am a libertarian, but I'm always kind of perplexed when libertarians bring up, try to uh, act like things that should be legalized and make the argument that they should be legalized because they're good things. I mean, to me, prostitution is not a good thing. I find it to be a destructive thing, but that doesn't mean I want it to be illegal. I, that's the whole marriage argument I found kind of preposterous. Well, uh, I'll go to defense for prostitution. What's wrong? What's not good about prostitution? Well, I mean, I, I will. I will. Say I, I'm more I'm uh, I'm not a conservative in the fact in the way that I, I vote or believe politically, but I am a conservative in the way I live my life, and I view um, I view those kind of things. I view prostitution as harmful to families, and I view families as uh, an important uh, part of it. But wait a minute, a wait a minute. Society. Okay, what about single men? They don't have families to deal with, so is it harmful to that their parents if they have sex with a prostitute? No, and this is where you it comes. Um, a lot of this comes from religion as well. So you're saying but, uh, it's only harmful to like married people having sex outside of their relationship? Honestly, I I I don't. I'm not judgmental to someone who would choose to do these kind of things. Okay. But I I do feel like overall um, it would be best if people were more monogamous than, than less. And again, this isn't something. Well, if you're if you're if you're a single man and you're having sex with one prostitute at a time, then you're being monogamous <laughs> no i don't know about out of time but, right, um, but but i think that prostitution is a valuable service that again has been around for all of man i mean all of uh, time in fact i have a story i don't know maybe we'll get to it later this week or maybe uh, i don't know maybe sometime that was about how monkeys actually engage in prostitution so i mean it really is uh, the oldest profession uh and well, I'm not, there's two things i'm not going to argue and that is one it's it's not it's never going to go away right and two, um, it is definitely of value to to many people. Sure. Um, that and doesn't mean that we should encourage it, is my opinion. Well, when you say encourage it, I mean, legalizing is, isn't encouraging it. Absolutely it's just, not. It's just uh, acknowledging that I'm it's not happening. I'm we should keep it illegal. Um, okay. I think that that's a very immoral use of force, more immoral than the act of hiring a prostitute. Right. I'm not saying but, go um, out and be a prostitute. I'm just saying that mm-hmm. the, those who want to engage in those uh, those things should be allowed well, to. And now let me... Well, it's, it's when... Oh, sorry, Mark. Let me uh, defend Fred's position rather than uh, Ian's, which uh, says that you shouldn't uh, you shouldn't outlaw prostitution for married men when there are single men out there, which is a very valid argument. But what about Fred's position that um, some relationships, not mine, um, you know, there's a dynamic where uh, sex is used as a bartering tool inside the relationship um, and it's lorded over uh, guys and that in and of itself causes problems inside the relationship. What he's saying is that prostitution would relieve the uh, would would do away with that dynamic simply because the option was out there, look, you can't lord this over me. I have options. Right. And that's where I get off the bus. Okay. Well, because, but you like um, but you like Now, hold on. He's not arguing for being able to actually enact that. He's just saying having the options. The fact that the person can use sex to get um, you know, well, we're going to do this and this or that and that inside the relationship, um, you know, for the relationship. We're going to buy this car. You're going to you're going to um, you know, do this or do that or you're not getting sex. 
And I think that right. that's a very base way for uh, adults to interact. I think that uh, sex is a cornerstone of intimacy inside of marriage. Um, you know, and you know, disagreement or not, that's not that's not the way adults act. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely an unhealthy relationship. But the thing is, is that for m- most relationships, um, a man who now, there are some relationships where it would work just fine. Uh, where both would be okay with a man hiring a prostitute, but for most relationships, that's not the case. I'm not sure that Fred so, uh, was even saying that. No, let's, no, let's, let's, let's take this into a different area. Um, let's talk uh, about food preparation for a second. Let's say okay. that if you, whenever you do something that uh, your wife doesn't like, she uses food preparation as a um, you know tool to get what she wants. And then someone opens a restaurant in town. Suddenly, for eight dollars and fifty cents, you can get uh, you know a beverage, a meal, and dessert for eight dollars and fifty cents. And her food preparation argument goes from now I'm going to you know I'm going to starve to wow for it's all you're lording over me is eight dollars and fifty cents. Yeah, this isn't worth it to me. I'm going to go get the meal or whatever. Do you understand what I'm yeah. saying? It's it's not the fact that you went and got the meal. It's the ability. It's the understanding that. That um, you know that that changes the relationship entirely. You understand it. Understand. She understands it. I understand, except that the fact that if a prostitute costs fifty dollars, that doesn't mean that the monogamy of the relationship can be bought and sold for fifty-one dollars. I would totally, totally agree. No, no, no with doubt that. about that. Now, what, all I'm saying is that it changes the dynamic of the relationship, and the woman can no longer, uh, you know, that woman in that particular instance can no longer lord that kind of thing over their husband. Well, besides all that, I don't think that even in the world of re-legalized prostitution that you would have men being up front with their wives about going to a prostitute. I don't think that would happen very much just due to the uh, conciliatory nature of uh, most people when it comes to their sexual activities. So, I mean, whether the prostitute was legal or illegal, uh, the man's going to go and sneak around or the woman will go and sneak around. Whoever's going to do their cheating is going to go and cheat regardless of the legality situation, I think. Yeah, people cheat. And that's a fact of life. But to me, a much more persuasive argument than, you know, prostitution would give us benefits if we legalized it would be, you know, it would be safer. Um, it's not a proper use of force. It's a waste of money, et cetera, et cetera. But, I mean, I've, I've heard other people make similar arguments, you know, you know, crack cocaine should be legal. Well, I agree, crack cocaine should be legal. But don't turn around and tell me because it has all these medical benefits. We all know it's bad for you. So let's not pretend that when we legal or, I mean, I think that, Saying that it's a good thing is kind of giving in to the status argument that everything that is bad should be illegal. And so in order to try and make the argument for legality, we're now saying, oh, it's good. Well, no, it's not No, good. I only That's said it was good when you called to say it was bad. Mm. Our other arguments were exactly what you said. It would increase safety. It, you know, the things are already going on. It wouldn't ruin people's lives. And we made all those arguments last hour. You called in and said you were personally against it because you thought it was bad. And that's when I said, well, I'll swing for it. I think it's not necessarily bad. I think it can be a good well, thing. Well, he was arguing against Fred. Not you. I see. All right, yeah, next point. Anything else, Jason? Yeah, guys. Sorry sorry about going on that. I actually had a question about... <clears throat> I had a question for Mark, actually. Yeah. Uh-huh. I saw on the Ridley Report... Which is awesome. Are, uh, you can go check it out at RidleyReport.com. That man needs to... He gets so many free plugs on this show, it's amazing. <laughs> you know, he, he's done something really kind of unique... It's a great product. ...and cool, yeah. and I, I get excited when a new one comes out. Yep. So what about it's, the Ridley Report? It's a great service. I go there every day. But I saw, Mark, that you're building a house. Yes, um, I'm getting uh, some by help. Yourself. Well, with some help, but yeah. it seems that you're doing it, you know, from scratch. From and a I kit. was wondering, how much are you saving, and what are you going to end up with? Are you going to have? Is it going to be a house that? Is it going to have? Uh, you know, is it going to be cold and heat and cold, and is it going to be comfortable? And oh, it's just a teepee. 
No. <laughs> I'll, I'll Mark will it. explicate his uh, the details on his house here in moments. Jason, thanks for the call. 800-259-9231. Prostitution, taxes, Mark's house, whatever you want to talk about, it goes if you make the call. This is Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything toll-free. 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. It's 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give away all the features there including the archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, grab it from the front page, totally free, freetalklive.com. And now you can save time and money on common legal matters. Created by top attorneys, LegalZoom.com helps you create reliable legal documents like your will or living trust in minutes. LegalZoom.com. Use the code FTL to save 10%. That's LegalZoom.com. Now, a few moments ago, Jason was on the line from Ohio asking you a little bit about your house, Mark. So give us the rundown. Well, there's no house there yet. Um, I own You're a, building it. Yeah, I own a piece of property. Near Keene. Um, now, the reason he was asking is because it was reported on on the Ridley Report mm-hmm. at RidleyReport.com. So you can actually go and see footage of Mark banging away in the snow on uh, building his house. It looks very authentic. You'd think I was out there doing it myself instead of you know just having uh, free staters do it all for me. Um, you're paying those guys, by the way. He didn't mention that in the in the report, but it's not like those guys are coming out there every day to work for free for yeah, you. But they're, they're doing paid. it at an incredibly reduced rate. Um, yeah, you know they're uh, you got the free stater discount. I really do. Uh, I. I, I've really got to thank uh, you know, Jim and Roger. They're um, making it all happen. We can give Roger a free plug. Politicalgraffiti.com is his website, and uh, it's, he's a video editor by trade, actually, and he's very talented. He's done some of the best uh, Free State Project-related videos that that, uh, that are on the Internet. I should hope so, <laughs> considering it's his job. Yeah. Um, yeah, but the, the, what he asked was sort of how much am I saving by building rather than uh, by, uh, you know, Buying a house from a contractor? Right, having it, um, you know, buying a house from a contractor or a mobile kit or something like that. It's difficult to say. You certainly do uh, save by building a a kit over, you know, having a contractor build a house for you, custom. Um, And, you know, they they, they say um, at the architects, uh, it's called, it's First Day Cottage. You can go to firstdaycottage.com. Not cottages, cottage. And uh, they say forty to $60,000 you save. Maybe um, you can save that, but right now with the the housing market going down, um, you can pick up a lot of pre-loved houses out there <laughs> very cheaply. And I'm not sure that I'm necessarily uh, saying that it's the right thing for everyone. I think that um, you know all the paperwork I had to go through with uh, dealing with the county or the, the, excuse me this this the town and and that kind of thing. It's been a real pain dealing with uh, different kind of contractors because you can't do everything on your own. You walk away feeling just, man, I just did not get the best part of this deal. Hmm. Um, you, you know, you get quoted one thing and, and suddenly it's it's triple or something like that. Um, I think that if if you want to know what you're going to pay and, and you're sort of first timing it and that kind of thing, unless you have a piece of property that's been given to you by your family, that this probably isn't necessarily the way to go. It's something mm-hmm. to investigate. It, I, I'm, it, it's right for some people, but, you know. You know what you're getting when you buy buying a house. Sometimes, unless there's problems with it. Real estate, tricky stuff. There you go. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. But I will have a brand new house, and I'll know everything about it when I'm uh, done. That's a good point. 
Yeah, and that's nice, you know, when you have to you know repair things. If you don't know what's been done to the house previously, then it can make problems Learning harder. process, yeah. that's for sure. Let's go to Mark, who's on the line in Georgia. You're on Free Talk Live, Mark. How's it going? Hey, great. Good. What's on your mind tonight? Uh, first of all, my name is Mac. It's Mac. Mac in Georgia. Yeah. Welcome. <laughs> um, yeah, I, li- I listen to the podcast every day while I'm at work. Mm-hmm. And I was listening to two of them that I had missed earlier in the week. One about the lady who was dragged out of a car because she didn't want to stop on a deserted road. Yeah, the cop ran her off the road and then just, uh, broke her window and pulled her out of the car and then proceeded to put his knee in her back and generally treat her awful. And the second one is about the Icelandic woman. She overstayed a visa in 95, and mm-hmm. she was treated like a common criminal. <laughs> yes, that's right. Detained for, oh, I don't know, 24 hours with barely any food and uh, just, yeah, treated uh, like crap. I'll tell you this. I'm a, I'm a military police officer. Mm-hmm. I work for the South Carolina State Guard, state militia. Okay. I'm um, doing emergency response. I also work with civilian law enforcement. If I did something like that, I'd be sitting in jail cell because, you know, not all police officers are bad. Mm-hmm. That's that, true. A few yep. jackasses make everybody look bad. Well, you know, and, and there are some real scumbags out there, but the problem really comes in when the cops get caught doing something awful, like they did to the lady running her off the road, and then the sheriff comes to their defense. So when you really have a problem is when it's the sheriff and the uh, the upper echelon of the police department that is the the most corrupt, and they're, they, they back up the bad guys. That's right. the real issue. I think that I could probably... Whoa. What's that? It's the blue wall. That, right, the thin blue line or blue wall. wall. Yeah, I could get, I could get on board with it as long as the cops got the same punishment that um, everyone else. Would. I think they should get worse punishments. Than well, you know, else. at the very least, it should be a higher standard. How do you feel about yeah. that? I mean, I've won. I think I should be held to a higher standard. My colleagues should be held to a higher standard because, you know, if you have these fools getting, you know, been bullied when he was little kids to get that badge and the gun, they think. The Superman. Yep. They can do anything they want to do. And they can in many cases. They really do. In some cases, we've talked about a handful, at least in the last year or two, where cops have gotten away with murder. Literally. You in know what? That doesn't, I'm, I don't mean to cut you off. But no, go ahead. No, please. This reminds me of a story down here in Savannah a couple months ago. This officer, this officer um, was chasing a parole violator. <laughs> Through um, it was happening about five or six blocks away from me. He was chasing the guy, and they don't know what happened. But the officer saying that they got into a physical altercation. Nobody, long story short, nobody know what happened. But the officer, they all know that the officer shot the man, shot mm-hmm. the man dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the officer saying that he got more or less he got his ass whooped, and the guy was trying to reach for his gun. Yep, that's but, you know, what they usually claim. Is that is that um the guy was just being trigger happy. The police, the metropolitan police around here has a reputation of being trigger happy. Mm. Even though I'm a police officer, I have had a couple of runners over stupid stuff and over disorderly conduct from when I when I had to security and stuff. And some of them, you know, like I said, they get that badge and gun, and they think they can do anything they want to do. Nobody can stop them. And I'm like, that's just wrong. Yeah. yeah, it absolutely is. I mean, the fact is, pe- uh, people that are in search of power 
you know, they're attracted to jobs like that. The sadists out there, the sickos, the ones that want to wield their power over others are attracted to those jobs. And, and so are good people like you, people that want to make a difference for other people. But the problem is the sadists, they end up moving up in the ranks and they back up the other sadists and it becomes a good old boys club. And then the good guys, they get so fed up that they throw in the towel and they say, oh, there's nothing, I can't change this agency from the inside. I'm tired of working next to these scumbags. I'm out of here. So it usually ends up that all the good guys end up quitting. I tell you, I also take college classes in criminal justice. I'm working on my um, my bachelor's of science in criminal justice. Um, one of my, one of my professors was talking about was talking about how police officers go through it. You know, a police officer will usually start out his first year, you know, full of full of ideals. He want to try. He want to try tackling the crime problem at a different approach. You could take that same police officer who's been in about about five, six, seven, eight years, and they burn out just for that same reason, you know. Because they can't take a different approach, because they have to follow the department's whatever their rules are, and they can't uh, they can't veer away from that. Is what you're saying? And it's not just the department, you know, the, pub- the public, you know. Like I said, the police in in this bad area. I live outside my jurisdiction, which is something I kind of regret if I wasn't in college, trust me, I would be living in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. But um the police have a reputation of being trigger happy, heavy handed and just plain rude and in the case of the Savannah Metropolitan Police Department, about eighty about seventy five, eighty percent, that is true. There you go. I mean from a police officer uh, himself, Mac, you're saying that 75 to 80 percent of the people you work with are heavy-handed and trigger-happy. I mean, no, the one no, thing that's going to... what I'm saying is that well, the ones that I encounter, because like I said, I'm, I'm sure, a military you can't, police you can't know them all. state military department, but I live in Savannah, Georgia. Mac, we're out of time, my friend, but thank you for the thank call you. tonight and the expertise, and thanks for listening to the show. Hopefully you'll check out Law Enforcement Against Prohibition if you haven't done so yet. I always like to recommend that uh, to uh, the Leos that call in. That's Law Enforcement Against Prohibition at leap.com, or excuse me, leap.cc, L-E-A-P dot C-C. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain, but just enough time for your call. Talk Live, only moments remain. You can still take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. Bring up what you want. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. If you enjoy the program and help us out a little bit, then head over to amp.freetalklive.com and become a Free Talk Live amplifier. AMP stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. And the idea is a simple one. Your three bucks a month comes into the show and goes right back out in it is reinvested into getting free talk live on more radio stations around the country uh getting the message of freedom and liberty spread as far and as wide and as fast as possible uh get on uh, get signed up and get some perks too you get access to the amp only call in line chat room and forum and more all the details are at amp.freetalklive.com that's amp.freetalklive.com. All right, the latest on the Snipes trial is that uh the IRS has come out with a statement or some IRS supporting folks here, a former IRS commissioner, as a matter of fact. Uh, this from the Associated Press. Apparently, at a time when millions of Americans are buckling down to prepare their taxes, Wesley Snipes is being cast as a villainous example of the dangers of joining with Internet-fueled activists who claim the IRS has no authority to collect taxes. 
Snipes, the star of Blade uh, and White Men Can't Jump, is on trial with two tax protesters in one of the biggest criminal cases in IRS history. The agency hopes the media attention on the matter will dissuade others in the tax avoidance movement from trying to outwit the government. Sheldon Cohen, who was IRS commissioner and general counsel in the 1960s, said, People who do it openly and notoriously, you've got to go after them. Not because he's that important or the amount of money is that important, but because there are others who may be foolish enough to follow. Now, what do you think they're so afraid of? I mean, are they really just looking out for you? Is that the idea here? The message they're trying to convey here is that... Don't get suckered in here, folks. Just keep paying your taxes. You wouldn't want to be a fool and stop paying them because obviously you might go to jail. I mean, that's clearly the uh, one of the risks that you uh, would be taking. You might lose your assets. They might seize your house or your car or your bank account. And they like to they like to go after the bank account because that one's real easy to get. All the banks will turn over your bank account quickly. Still. Uh, but but that's uh, those are the obvious uh, consequences of of not paying federal taxes. But the reason they're coming out with this, and I, and I love his last statement, we'll get to that here in a moment. The reason they're coming out with this is because they're deathly afraid that others might follow in the footsteps of Wesley Snipes or in uh, the footsteps of, uh, of others who have gone before him with uh, perhaps less notoriety, the Irwin Schiffs of the world, for instance. Now, I'm not saying you should follow Wesley Snipes or Irwin Schiff, because I don't know if those guys had it right. I don't know if what their process was. I don't know what they were doing. I heard Snipes was filing returns you know, and, and doing some legal meandering or, or playing around, you know, writing zeros. or I don't know what exactly his approach was. But each of these tax avoidance people has their own different approach, and that's not the purpose of what I'm talking about here. The purpose is to simply point out how the IRS is responding. Snipes, who could be getting up to 16 years in prison if convicted on all the counts, uh, the, though it should be noted sentences that long are unusual. His two co-defendants are an anti-tax ideologue who refuses to defend himself in court and an accountant who lost his licenses. The trio rested their defense Monday without calling any witnesses, saying they didn't need to. The assistant U.S. attorney said, Nobody likes paying taxes, but paying taxes is the price we pay to live in a civilized society. Now talk about a cliché. It's it to me. It's it, it's really it's kind of sick that in order to have a civilized society um, is what he's claiming. We have to throw our citizens in jail for not participating. Right. Um, and the other thing is, you know, the only debtor that you can go to jail for owing is the government. Mm-hmm. What's wrong with that? Well, you're you're absolutely right, Mark. And uh, to to look at this this claim that taxes are the price we pay to live in a civilized society. You absolutely hit on it. In fact, uh, how could anyone claim that it's civilized to threaten your neighbors? Because that's what's going on here. Yeah. You're paying taxes not because you feel obligated to. You're paying taxes because you know you're going to get hurt. You know that some scary guys with guns are possibly going to take you away from your loved ones and put you in a cold, dark place for a number of years. Or impoverish you. Do some harm to you. They're going to harm your way of life mm. if you don't pay them. Now, these particular, this particular band of gangsters calls themselves the IRS or calls themselves the government. But fundamentally, it's no different from a gang of uh, thugs walking down the street and, uh, and uh, accosting you. It's fundamentally no different. Now, that's not very civilized. I don't think anyone would agree that a band of thugs 
accosting you on the street is in any way civilized, but somehow when the IRS does it, it's the price we pay for a civilized society. Nonsense. Uh, you know, um, I think Ron Paul made the best argument about this during his uh, campaign, that if we got rid of the IRS, if we shut the doors, if we fired all the bureaucrats, we would still be making um, the same amount of money that we had in the late 90s. We, the United States government, would still be making from all the other crap that it's involved in the same amount of money as it was in the late 90s. Don't I mean, wasn't the government too big in the late 90s? Yes. Wasn't it involved in too much stuff in the late 90s? Isn't that why the contract with America was uh, created, you know, to pare down the size of government? Which, of course, they didn't take that contract very seriously, did they? Of course, then again, none of us actually signed that contract, so it really wasn't a contract in the first place. Uh, But let's continue here with another absurd claim. The uh, attorney, this is again the assistant U.S. attorney, who said in his closing arguments, And it's the law! And that's what this case is about. It's about three men who felt they were above the law. Which is typical. Remember, he's giving this as a closing argument to the jury. And of course, it's being reported in the news. This is, you know, an important propaganda piece for the IRS, this, uh, this AP article. Yeah. Uh, but basically, that, get, that's, that line of reasoning appeals to the nationalistic sentiment that we're all, you know, this is a nation of laws. We have to obey the law. These men tried to act as though they're above the law, so therefore, you good citizens on the jury, you good citizens pay your taxes. You good citizens have been paying your fair share, and these three men have said they're better than you. These three men are they claim to be above the law. You show them what's for, jury members. You put them in jail. They're bad, bad men. You know, that's the appeal that they're, that they're essentially making, is uh, they're not paying their fair share. When, of course, the real viewpoint should be, well, these three men have had the courage to keep the money that they earned. And don't you wish that you had that courage, too? I wish more Americans thought that way, but they don't. I'd be very interested in a tax trial that went like you're talking about from principle, but most of them, it seems, are uh, based on these sort of uh, silly... Schemes. Yeah, schemes. Right. um, Which, you know, God bless all the people that are doing them, but... I, and I understand that they're essentially coming from a similar uh, standpoint as we are, but I just don't think you should play around with the government. I right. think it's like wagging uh, a stick at a tiger. Well, in this case, I agree that uh, their schemes... If I, you're not going to pay taxes, just stop filing. Agreed. Agreed. I did, th- I did that at one point. Now, I happen to be in prison so they c- and wasn't <laughs> earning any money, but how do they know? Yeah. I, I completely agree, and that's where I think Wesley Snipes and many of those who have gone before him and lost time and time again have gone wrong. Well, I what think these, Wesley Snipes has a problem in that the fact that he is a celebrity, and I think they go after celebrities. But even so, his approach is still uh, its still one of those schemes where basically what these people do is they pour through the tax code, and they find different parts in the code which they believe exempts them from paying the tax, and they, they try to go into the government courts and make an argument based on their interpretation of the law, and they say, well, you know, the law says this and that, and it only says that uh, it only says that foreigners have to pay the tax, or the 16th Amendment wasn't correctly ratified, or they try to, to base their non-payment of taxes on some legal argument. Mm-hmm. And you're playing their game at that point. I think that the approach should be, where's the obligation? How is an obligation created for me to pay this tax? If I explicitly agreed to pay the tax, then I should pay it. If I entered into some sort of an agreement that said I would do this in return for this, 
then, okay, we've got an agreement. It's explicit. It's a contract. My name's on the line. I agreed to this. It's clear evidence of that. That should be done. That doesn't exist with taxes. It doesn't exist. And so and so basically coming out and saying, look, I, I never agreed to any of this, pointing out that the government uh, is just, you know, essentially an agency of coercive force that's making threats uh, and, and, and coming at it from that point to where it doesn't matter what the law says. Many of these people say, show me the law. That's a that's a frequent thing that you'll hear amongst the tax protesters mm-hmm. is just show us the law. We've been asking for years for the IRS to show us the law, and they refuse to. And it's true. The IRS doesn't. Uh, but the IRS can say, well, look at all these court cases where we've convicted you. We don't have to show you the law. It's right. clear the judges believe the law exists. And so, again... Right, and law is, to some extent, um, you know, a, you know, cumulatively, the court cases that are out there. Right. So standing on the law is inevitably going to result in the government pulling that law right out from underneath you... And and then beating you over the head with it. I don't think that's the appropriate way to approach these things. And I think Wesley Snipes is going to lose his case. Um, we'll see you tomorrow night. You can join us online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. Until we reject the concept of taxes themselves, we'll continue to be beaten uh, again and again in these government courts. We'll see you tomorrow night online in the meantime, freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office products, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.